Thank you for joining us here on the Bowling Green Christian Church Podcast. Our mission is to love God, encourage our community, serve those in need, and share the good news of Jesus. You can find out more about how we do this on our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org. It is our prayer that the following message encourages you as you take your next step in faith. Hey, uh, glad you're here. My name's Wes, and we're starting a new series today called uh, The Art of Being Unordinary. The Art of Being Unordinary, Living Unordinary Lives in an Ordinary World. And what I'm really hoping as we go through this series is that we would all be able to get something out of this about how to sort of rise above the place where we find ourselves so often in lives. Um, if you've ever felt overwhelmed, if you've ever felt like things were just a little bit too much, if you've ever felt like, like man, you, just, you were just kind of going with the flow, but you didn't like it, you know, not, not that you were in the groove, but you were in the rut. You know what I'm saying? You know, there's a difference between those two. If, if you've ever felt like you're in that place, it's really my prayer and my hope that this series would help us to get uh, out of that rut and into a different and more spectacular kind of life. Um, as we go through this series, we're going to be looking at the lives of the minor prophets, or several of them. And these are those little books there at the end of the Old Testament that um, we often skip over. They have names that are hard to pronounce. They're, they're short. Some of them seem kind of bizarre as you read through them, and you see all these different visions and things inside of them. Uh, but really, if you look at the lives of the men that write these, these books, and as you look at the content that is inside of these books, I think that there's something really uh, special and really relevant for us today here at the church. And today we're going to start uh, with the book of Habakkuk. Um, and in the book of Habakkuk, we read about the prophet Habakkuk, who's got uh, his life and his interaction with God recorded for us. Um, Habakkuk is prophesying at a time when there is great political upheaval in the nation of Judah. There is uh, a lot of conflict. There's a lot of, of uh, struggle, political struggle, going between um, the, uh, the, the kings of Assyria. Uh, oh, hey, we're back live now. Between the kings of Assyria, uh, between the king of Israel, between the king of Judah. And all of these things are playing into uh, some conflict there that Habakkuk is dealing with. Now, I've got this map here. I do want to show you this, so I'm glad this all worked out real well. So I thought we were going to do it old school, and I was going to say, imagine with me. Um, but we don't have to do that. So this is where um, Habakkuk finds himself. He's here in this, this country here in Judah. Now, if you know anything about your Bible geography, and I know maybe you, know, you missed that part of uh, world history class or whatever, this is the southern kingdom of Judah, and this is where Habakkuk's going to find himself. Now, at one point in time, Judah and Israel, they were all one, but they are no longer all one. They, they were split up, they were divided, and so now what we're seeing is that there's a lot of conflict here in the nation of Israel. There's a lot of of uh, people who've turned against God, and through all of the kings that the northern tribe or the northern tribes of Israel had, uh, they didn't have any that followed the Lord. And so soon they are going to fall um, into the hands of foreign powers, and they are going to be taken away into exile. Uh, in the meantime, you've got the southern kingdom of Judah is sort of watching all this happen, and they have a series of different kinds of kings. Some are good, some are bad. And right now they're being threatened by external powers that are coming from the north and coming from the south. 
Now, here's the thing about uh, the land of Palestine, the nation of Israel in general, is nobody really cared uh, who had it. There wasn't a whole lot of wealth here. There wasn't a lot of power that was had in this little strip of land, except for this thing right here, this Jordan River. This was what everybody really wanted to control. Because what happened was you had people up here in the north, you know, like the Assyrians, the Babylonians, etc., etc., and then you had the nation of Egypt way down here, and what you've got is a desert all this way, and if they're going to battle with each other, they're going to have to move their large army from one place to the other. How do they get there? Without water. Well, they don't. They've got to get this water. So whoever controls this area controls essentially the highway between the northern uh, countries that want to you know, dominate Egypt and Africa and the southern countries of Egypt and Africa that want to dominate the north. And so there's constantly war in the backyard of Israel and Judah. There's constantly armies coming and going through this area. And the only reason they really want to control it is because they want to be able to control that water. So Judah and Israel find themselves as pawns in the middle of sort of uh, the geopolitical game that's taking place between major superpowers at this point in time. And this is where Habakkuk finds himself. He finds himself caught in the crosshair uh, of these nations that are at war, and he's trying to make sense of all of the drama that's going on. And if you've ever felt, you know, sort of like, man, the world is full of problems, and you end up being cynical about it, I think that you will find the prophet Habakkuk to be very relevant for you. Now, I don't know about the things that keep you up at night, the things that you worry about, but it seems that the list could be quite substantial. Just watch the news for about 15 minutes, and you'll, you'll know all the things that you could worry about. Uh, they're listed there for you. You know, you've got national security. You've got home security. You've got job security. All these things we can be afraid about. You know, we can be worried about the future. We can be worried about, you know, our health or our health care or, or mental health. You know, those are all issues that we can be concerned about. There's lots of things. And when you worry about them, you know, that's one thing. But have you ever reached that point where you've worried about stuff so much, you're kind of like, just whatever, just can't do anything about it, just nothing's going to make it different, nothing's going to make it better. And then we just sort of give up and we just say, it's all just going to get worse and worse. We find ourselves in this place of hopelessness or cynicism. Th this is where Habakkuk finds himself. You know, Habakkuk, like me and maybe like you, sometimes looks at the world and goes, you know, I don't know that I sense God is out there doing anything. I feel like God is absent. Maybe you've prayed that prayer. I, I know I have. Here's, here's Habakkuk's prayer to God. Here's what he says. He says, how long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? He says, God, I've been praying for a while. You haven't heard a word I've said, or at least it doesn't seem like that. Or cry out to you, I say, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? God, you're supposed to be good, right? You're supposed to be perfect. Why do you tolerate all of these things? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Habakkuk's in this place and he says, God, it seems like nothing, not even praying, is making this any better. What am I going to do? What am I going to do, God? Now, you know, it doesn't help that you look around at the world and the people that are supposed to be helpful are not, right? You know, you're like, oh, you know, these politicians, they're going to solve these problems. No, they can't even get along with each other. You know, we're not impressed with them. We're not impressed by officials who are corrupt. 
We're not impressed by law enforcers who use their power and misuse their power. We're not impressed by parents who act like children, and we're not impressed by Christians who live their lives without love. And we look around the world and we go, God, what is happening? Where are you? How much longer do I have to put up with this? And what's so special about these prophetic books is not only do we get the prayer that Habakkuk prays, but we also get God's response. Because these are prophets who are having a special connection with God, and they're sharing with us the things that God says to them. And and here's God's response to Habakkuk's prayer. God says this, he says, look at the nations and watch. All those nations that I showed you on the map that are surrounding them. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. He says, I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. He says, I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people. Now, this doesn't sound much like a a prayer answer, does it? He says, oh, yeah, you know all the conflict and problems? He says, just wait while you see what I'm working on right here. The Babylonians, those ruthless people, the people that are so cruel, the people that have no self-control, these impetuous, ruthless, violent people. He says, I'm actually raising them up. I've got a plan that involves them. Now, here's something that's important for us to hang on to. These are, uh, we would say, a very evil people, people that are, are violent and cruel. These are people who do not know God or have a relationship with him. But God is reminding Habakkuk, as he's also reminding us, that he can even use things that seem to be evil. God can use those for good. God can use those for his plan because he is powerful enough to do that. Now, we could probably come up with a list of things, maybe in our own lives, that have been bad that God has used for good. Things that, you know, God maybe didn't send, but God was able to redeem. You know, I, I know I've shared this story before, but this, this one just, I think, so clearly illustrates it for me. Uh, I heard some stories from missionaries who traveled to Tibet uh, several years ago after those horrible earthquakes came and just completely decimated villages, and, and so many people lost their lives and homes and, and everything. Uh, uh, several groups of Christian missions organizations came in to help with the reconstruction effort that was taking place in Tibet at that time. And I remember one missionary sharing their own story about how as they got into this village that they were at, and they started, you know, wheeling things out, you know, all the rubble out, and they were helping them get stuff put back together, and they are bringing in medical supplies and water and food and all this stuff. One of the, the local villagers stopped him and said, uh, why are you doing this? They said, you know, this earthquake happened because God is judging us. You know, we have bad, you know, karma. This is why this has been sent to us. You know, we're receiving punishment for some evil that exists in our village, in our lives. You know, they said, listen, everybody gets that except you. Like our, our family, they live in a village not that far from here. They've not sent any help. They've not come by even to check on us. You know, they, they, they understand why this has happened. What are you doing here? And this missionary was able to say, you know what, I, we don't really believe that. We, we believe that sometimes evil things happen, but God loves you all the time and regardless, and we're here to show you that love. And it was in that moment of something evil and terrible that had happened that God was able to redeem that for eternal and good purposes. You know, God does these sorts of things all the time. I mean, I think of, you know, the people on TBN. You ever seen this TBN show? Like, there's a lot of hairspray that is used on the TBN channel. 
I can't hardly watch it. I mean, it really kind of drives me, you know, bonkers because there's always, you know, the scroll on the bottom for more money. There's always these things happening. You're kind of going, well, gosh, really, people watch this. And yet, as much as it sort of makes my stomach turn, I've talked to several people who, you know, are shut-ins, they're seniors, and they, you know, they don't send them any cash, but they say, you know, it's just so comforting for us to turn on the TV and hear somebody at least reading scripture to us. It just means something to us. You know, God can use what is not good for good. That's what God does. And God is reminding Habakkuk of this, and he's reminding us of this, that there are sometimes things that are bad that God, you know, he can redeem those things. Now, all of us, you know, with our own perspective, we might protest, as does Habakkuk. Listen to what he says to God's, you know, he says, oh, I'm raising the Babylonians. And Habakkuk says, you, Lord, you, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment? This was the best plan you had, God? You know, this was, this was what you came up with? You, my rock, have ordained them to punish? Your eyes, they're too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous. Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? Now listen, this is a great question that Habakkuk asks. And you know, the funny thing is this question isn't fully answered in this book. It, 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 there's not a real satisfying answer that you look at that and you go, oh, I totally get it now. That doesn't come. But here's what does come, is that we realize that God is still at work even when we don't understand how or why it's, it's, it's just what we see in Scripture time and time again is God surprises us. Now, I, I do want to issue this quick disclaimer. Just because God raised up the Babylonians in the time of Habakkuk does not mean that God is raising up every problem that we would face in the world. I, I, I reject that idea. I do not believe that to be the case. But I do believe that God can use unholy tools to accomplish His purposes. Here's how the Apostle Paul describes the world that we live in now. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Paul says, listen, as you look into the world, you will see that there is a power at work and it is not God. It is the power of evil. But notice what he says. There's no substance to it, right? It's the ruler of the power of the air. He says there's no substance to it, but it is at work in the world. That's why these evil things are coming. In contrast, Jesus told us this. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come to bring hope into a world that is full of cynicism. He has come to bring life and peace in a place that is full of darkness and terror. God has come to bring us these things. But just like a remodeler who sometimes has to tear out a wall in order to redo something or has to tear out the plumbing or the wiring or even bulldoze something in order to make room for the new something, God sometimes has to do a little bit of demo work. Sometimes we have to all go through demo days in our life before he can rebuild something new. And so while we might not fully understand all of this, the message of Habakkuk, I think, is pretty clear. That what we need to do is we need to remain close to God during uncertain times. That's what gives us perspective. You see, Habakkuk, he's not satisfied with God's answers. We saw that in his prayer. He's like, he's like God, hey, listen, I don't like these Babylonians that you have picked. We could have picked better people than them. But notice who he's praying to. He's praying to this God who's done this. 
He's remaining close to him because he knows that there is a perspective that he gains by staying close to God. I, I love this prayer that Habakkuk prays. He says this. He says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. Some versions translate this as saying Habakkuk's going to go to the watch station or the watch tower. Habakkuk says, all right, God, I've told you I don't like this. You've told me that you're at work in the midst of all these evil things. And so what am I going to do? I'm just going to go and get closer to you, and I'm going to watch, and I'm going to wait. And you get this picture of Habakkuk going to a watchtower kind of like this. This is an old U.S. Uh, Forestry Service watchtower. These were built like all over America. There's hundreds of these all throughout the U.S. forests, uh, all through the U.S. national uh, parks. These, these little towers are all over the place. And what they used to be used for is individuals who were paid by the Forestry Service would go and would like live up there for a week and then would come down and then somebody else would come up and live for a week and they would just sit up there with binoculars and they would look all around the forest for smoke. And if smoke came, they figured there was a fire and they would call it in and they would get the fire put out. This was the old system of looking for uh, fires. And it was, it was used all over America for a long time. Um, eventually these all became decommissioned because satellites took over. Now they use satellites to look down for, for fires starting and, and that works a little bit better. But the funny thing is the U.S. Forestry Service found that there was a huge desire for people to go to these. And so they've actually kept them up. And you can log on to the National Park Service today, and you can actually rent out a watchtower. Now, there's nothing in there, mind you. There's, uh, half of them don't have electricity. Um, half of them don't have any plumbing. I think 80% of them don't have any plumbing. But you can go to just stay in this isolated tower out in the middle of nowhere. Some are close to you know, a freeway or a highway that you can get to it. Many of them you have to like backpack an entire day into the forest to even get to to these places, and yet they are constantly being rented out. People want them. Why? Well, I can tell you why. People want to get away. They want to get above everything. They want to get some perspective on life. I mean, that's what they're there for. They were built so that way you could get above everything and see what was really out there and hold all of it in perspective. I mean, we're hungry for this, aren't we? We've got apps that are being created and have been created and make thousands, if not millions of dollars that are just designed to help you not use your phone and or to help you take five to ten minutes of your day in silence, these meditation apps. Why do we have that? Because we're hungry for this. We all sort of have this sense that we need a watchtower in our own lives. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe you have a watchtower in your own life. Because while satellites may have replaced those, there isn't any replacement for us keeping watch over our own souls and lives. What is your watchtower? Where, where do you go when you need to get perspective on life? Where is it that you go? I, I don't know where you go. I can tell you where I go. My watchtower is actually the couch in my front room. It overlooks uh, a valley in the front of my yard. It's not really a valley. It's like a basin. It's a drainage basin. It goes into a sinkhole, okay? But it's a valley. It sounds better to say valley. 
Okay, I overlook the valley in my yard, and that is where I like to go, and I love it when it's light in the morning because I can see out, and I can see, and that's where I, I read scripture, that's where I pray, and that's where more often than not I'm just silent as I look over the valley, and it is helpful for me to gain perspective. That's my watchtower, and when I miss that time in the morning, man, I miss that time, and I usually catch up for it, you know, maybe the first 15 minutes or so at my desk or someplace else, but man, that for me is my watchtower. That's my place. That's where I keep watch over my soul and over my life. That's an important place for me. Where is your watchtower? Where's the place that you go and gain perspective? Here's what I know. I don't know where yours is, and I know mine is going to be different from yours, because if you came to my house tomorrow morning real early, and I didn't know your, that would be weird, but um, you know, yours is going to be different from mine, but I know we all need one. Habakkuk, he goes to the watchtower, and here's the conclusion he comes to. He says, see, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. So he kind of just realizes, man, this is how it is. He says, but the righteous person will live by his faithfulness. If you read through the rest of this chapter, uh, Habakkuk will see how the end comes to those that have pretenses, how the prideful fall, and how the wicked do not last. But he says it is the righteous person who lives by faith. That's the person, the person who is in the watchtower, who stays close to God. That is the person who has lasting power. He realizes that at some point, God's judgment is going to come to us all. We might even just say the law of cause and effect is going to come to us all. But that remaining close to God in uncertain times, it, it keeps us centered. This is why at the end of all of that, he's able to proclaim this. He says, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, that's not true in that moment in Habakkuk's life. You know, the, the earth is not silent in that moment, just as it's not silent in our time. But he sees, again, from that watchtower, that perspective, he can see into the future, and he sees that that's how it ends. When God is in his temple and all are silent before him. That's what Habakkuk sees. That's the beauty of the perspective we gain from the watchtower. And what Habakkuk comes to is this conclusion, is that we can have hope in who God is, even when we can't see him at work. That's the thing that I think is so important for us as, as Christ followers to hang on to. And here, you are here maybe this morning, and you're maybe not a Christ follower. That's okay, and you're wondering, well, how do you, how do you explain all these things? The answer is we probably don't explain all of these things. But we do have hope in who God is. Maybe we could say this in a different way. In other words, we can have hope in God's track record and in his character. We can look back over the past and we can see that God has been faithful and he has never let his people down and that we have great confidence that that will continue. We can look at God's character and say, God, he loves his people and he, he was working for them and that's who he is. He's always true and he's always honest and we can have hope in his character even when we can't see God at work. If you're here this morning and you're a Christ follower, I want you to think back over your life to the places where God has showed up in the past. Maybe God's shown up just, you know, in a, in a job situation. Maybe God's shown up in your marriage. Maybe God's shown up in the lives of your kids. Maybe God's shown up in the lives of your parents. I don't know where God's shown up, but I suspect that if you take a minute from your watchtower and you look back, you can see places where God has shown up in your life. I know that I can, and a lot of them are too personal to share. But... Looking back at God's faithfulness reminds me that God will continue to be faithful in the future. 
And so we've got to go to the watchtower. We've got to remember God and look for him again. This is Habakkuk's simple prayer. He says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, repeat them in our day. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, God, that's who you have been. Will you be that person again right now? God, you have been faithful. Will you remain faithful in this place of need? Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Friends, we can remember and have faith in God and know that he is at work in us and that he is giving us strength and hope. Habakkuk continues. He says, the sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. How do you get that perspective? You go to the watchtower. You go to your watchtower. Now, here's the challenge this week, is I want to challenge you to go to your watchtower this week. Wherever you see God most clearly, Everybody's a little different. For some people, it's nature. Some people, it's in silence. Some people, it's in prayer. Some people, they like to have a little bit of worship music. Some people, they, you know, some people really enjoy the study. I don't know what it is, but this week, I would challenge you to go to the watchtower and to look for God. Um, one of the things we've got uh, in your YouVersion Bible app is a link to a, a spiritual pathways assessment. Um, this assessment uh, is put out by Gary Thomas, and Gary Thomas has written this book called Sacred Pathways. And in the book, he identifies that there are nine different ways that most people find they connect with God the most. And if you're here this morning and you're going, I don't even know what my watchtower would be, I would challenge you to get onto that YouVersion app and click on that link and then check it out. I'll, we'll post that again uh, this week on the church's social media pages. But and in our small groups also, you guys will be talking about that in community groups. Um, but I would say, if you don't know where your watchtower is, spend some time to try to figure out where is it that you connect most with God? Where do you see God at work most in your life? And then make some time this week to go there. Uh, I, now notice I said make some time. It's not something you're going to find time for. You're going to have to guard that time, protect that time. I promise you, Habakkuk, in the midst of all these trials, in the midst of all this conflict, it was not convenient for him to go to the watchtower, but he did, and that's where he gained perspective. It's required. It's essential for our spiritual health. So this week, let's remember that even on uncertain times, we can have confidence in God, and we can renew that confidence when we go to our watchtower in prayer. Thanks for listening. When you're ready to take the next step on your faith journey, visit our website at BowlingGreenChristian.org and find more information about service times and other programming for both adults and children. Thank you again and have a blessed day.